0: those is
1: Good evening and welcome to Monsters Among Us. I am your guide, Derek Hayes. I won't spend a ton of time talking about this, but but Tuesday morning, Cryptid Crate finally launched and the support shown was overwhelming. If you'd like to check it out or even get your own subscription, head on over to www.cryptidcrate.com. Shipping is free and each box should have a value of at least $50. And that's not including shipping if you were to buy each item on its own. Cutoff for the June 1st box is May 15th, so don't hesitate. Check out cryptidcrate.com today. Now for the main event. When one thinks of the supernatural, many places come to mind. The Bermuda Triangle, the forest of the northwest United States, Area 51, and the blood-stained battlefields of Gettysburg. But perhaps one place, so steeped in legend and mystery, rises above all others. The ancient lands of Eastern Europe With their century-old legends of witches, vampires, werewolves, and even the father of all vampires, Dracula may be the most creepy place on the planet. Despite its wealth of mystery and intrigue, this enchanting land has for the most part been unrepresented on the show. That is, until now. If you recall back to the season 2 finale, Chris, an American expat living in Eastern Europe, called in to share legends of his new home. Well, as promised, here is the second portion of his call, a portion I found more fitting as a true submission, rather than a hometown legend. This is Chris's Call.
2: Hello Derek and fellow listeners, my name is Chris, and I am originally from the northeast of the United States. Uh, but I've been living for nearly three years across the eastern and western Balkans. Currently, I live in the Republic of Albania, in the northeast of the country, in Deber County. But I live in one of the villages, which is quite different from northeast of the US, uh, especially cities like Baltimore, Philadelphia, New York, or Washington DC, let alone Boston. Um, it's very, very small, and in fact, I live actually only about, I guess, 10 minutes or so away from the border of the Republic of Macedonia. So it is, as I like to nickname it, the hinterlands. And right now, it even feels more like the hinterlands because um, it is quite cold. Uh, so the first story I want to tell you is from my time here in Albania. Where I am, I think it's most interesting to talk about is called the Strig. In Strig in Gegisht, northern dialect, Albanian, means witch. In my town, surprisingly, there are many witches, or at least witch stories. I have not experienced any of these personally, but I can tell telling these stories based on the communications I've had with many, many people. So I think my favorite one it takes place in 1998. And this is the story of uh, one of my friends, who is an older lady here, whose husband died it, that year, in 1998. Now he was well respected in the community and uh, well loved. In Albanian tradition, if someone who generally is older but could really be anyone, um, particularly women, um, as you'll find in many cultures, this belief in, that uh, if you have blue eyes, you could be a witch. Well, at this gentleman's funeral, at the procession. There's a few homes that surround the cemetery, and it happened to be that this woman with the blue eyes, the supposed witch, um, for whatever reason, had a vendetta towards this family, and particularly against this man. At his funeral, this supposed witch with the blue eyes stared from her window at the procession, and particularly at the casket for the whole entire time, the whole entire time until he was buried. And she was muttering. Well, the daughter of this couple had noticed this older woman, uh, who had a reputation in the village for being a witch and people generally avoided, um, noticed that she was just muttering to herself and just daring intently upon uh, the procession going on. So she left um, to go to this house and knock on the door. Well, to find the doors unlocked, so she went upstairs to confront this woman and ask, Well, what's going on? Why are you doing this? And so, this old woman with the blue eyes, the supposed witch, turns around to the young daughter and uh, starts to mutter and yell at first, and then points her finger and starts to curse uh, the, the young lady out, telling her that she will be barren for her all, entire life, she shall have a short life, that her family's cursed. Um, Etc. So this young lady, you know, freaks out in a panic and runs out of the house back to her family. So a couple months later, um, now this young lady she gets married, um, and soon after they try, her and her husband try to have uh, their first child. Well, she miscarriages the first time. Then they try again some months later. She miscarriages again. And then a few months later, she miscarriages a third time. So, the da- young daughter realizes that um, she's been truly hexed. And so she goes to the local imam and tells the imam of what happened and what is going on. So, the imam brings the whole entire family and does the equivalent of an exorcism here. To rid her of this curse. Soon after, this young lady is able to have her children. And now she has three. This old woman, this witch, soon after disappeared. Like she never even was there. She was here one day and gone the next. No one knows wherever she happened to her. So that's my stories here from Albania. So thank you for your time, and I appreciate the audience listening. Uh, keep up the hard work, Derek. You're doing a great job. Again, thank you and good night.
1: Thank you, Chris. I'm honestly not sure what to say about this story. My only thought is that the power of suggestion is a very powerful thing, and I wonder if it played any part in the events that unfolded in your story. Thank you again for submitting from so far away. And anyone else listening from abroad, please don't hesitate to share your encounter. I realize submitting a story by phone is not a practical solution, but you can always do as Chris did and email an MP3 recorded from your phone. Most would argue the audio quality is better that way anyway. Thank you again, Chris. For our next submission, let's stay in Europe. The following story was submitted by a fellow podcaster. Elodie from Real Heroes Podcast has a story about a
3: strange sound that he encounters. Hi Derek, I um I really like the show. My name is Elodie from the UK, and I have a weird story to tell. I was visiting a friend in Basingstoke in Hampshire. We it was just after Pokemon Go came out, so we were out walking through the fields on the outskirts of the town because um because it's an overspill town. It's kind of a mix between very rural and very city ish. So we were uh, walking along playing Pokemon Go and um, my friend had also brought her digital camera because it was evening in the summer, it was nice out, we got some good pictures, but then as we were walking through one of the fields there was just this very odd sound. It sounded like somewhere in between a dog barking and a human scream. Just really strange, and um, we kept walking because it was quite far off. And Then my friend abruptly stopped as we were walking along and told me to be quiet, and we listened. And there was what sounded like human footsteps with the gait of a dog, and then that same bark, scream noise, but much closer, and this just heavy breathing sound. And we were in a field with really high grass so we couldn't properly see, but it was coming from the other side of where the grass was and this last port part where we were being quiet my friend had um, her camera recording to try and pick up the sound because it was really loud and we both heard it identically and eventually it was getting close and we just we just liked it. Um, but later that day, we went back to the recording, and there was no sound on it at all, apart from, um, like, background sounds like birds and a plane going over and such. So it wasn't like we didn't get any sound, but this sound was really loud, so I don't know how that happened, and, um, yeah, I would have just put it off as an odd dog I would have just said probably just a weird dog if it hadn't been for this thing with the um the sound just not showing up in the audio recording when things like the airplane go past it I don't know it's just a really strange thing that happened there is a there is reports of a beast of Basingstoke but that that's supposed to be more of like a um, large black cat like we have quite a few of those around this sort of area uh, that wouldn't really go with what we experienced so i don't know i don't know if other people have experienced something like this but yeah i am um, i really enjoy the show i found you through the other Be monsters when they did a shout out for you so i'm kind of glad that you ended up having similar names because i wouldn't have found you otherwise yeah anyway um thank you for listening to my story and I really love the show so uh yeah thank you bye
1: Thank you, Elodie. If you're interested in checking out his podcast, you can find the link in the show notes for this episode. It's really hard to say what was heard that day. There's an array of animals in the UK that make all sorts of strange sounds. Badgers and foxes come to mind, but perhaps the strangest sounds may come from the strangest creatures. Humans. It's quite possible that someone was either messing around with Elodie and his friend or inadvertently made noises that resulted in the encounter. The sound not showing up on the recorder is strange, but not unexplainable. I should know firsthand from recording this show. As I'm recording, I can clearly hear a truck or plane go by the cabin, but upon playback, the sound is nowhere to be heard. I suppose it has a lot to do with either frequency, decibel level, proximity to the mic, or a combination of all of the above. During his story, Elodie mentioned the Beast of Basingstoke, having a huge soft spot for out of place felines, I just had to check this story out. So the following article was taken from the Basingstoke Gazette of January 28, 2011. Council Chiefs have hailed a big cat sighting as the best ever proof the so-called mythical beast really exists. A former policeman based in West Wales spotted a puma or panther-like animal as recently as Wednesday. Michael Disney now works for Pembrokeshire County Council's Public Protection Division, and his sighting is being treated as authentic. While he gathered no photographic or other evidence, his sighting appears to give greater credence to the so-called big cat myth. Stories of feline beasts living in remote corners of the UK are so common there is barely a region of the country without one. From the beast of Bodeman in Cornwall to sightings in Kent and all over the north of England, such stories are common rural legends. The latest sighting comes days after the Government Environment Watchdog for England dismissed the existence of big cats. Experts with Natural England said in a report that they were confident no breeding populations of big cats exist in Britain. Pembrokeshire Council begs to differ and is so convinced by Mr. Disney that it is urging the public to report any sightings. It published extracts of the statement made by their man, which has been passed on to the police. Mr. Disney's encounter happened in broad daylight in countryside six miles north of Haverford West near Trefgarn Village. He was driving his cancel car on a single track road at 50 miles an hour when a large black puma or panther crossed five meters in front of him. He said, I immediately stopped my vehicle and stared at the animal. It had a large cat-like, muscular build and was approximately three feet tall. It was bigger and more muscular than a German Shepherd dog. The coat was smooth and looked like it had brown spots on it. I had a clear, unobstructed view of the animal, and the visibility was excellent. He added, I am one hundred per cent certain that this was a puma or panther-like animal, and was definitely not a dog cat or any other domestic animal. I was not seeing something I had seen before, other than in a zoo. I do love a big cat mystery. So thank you again, Elodie, for sharing your encounter. Well, from one mysterious sound to another, our next story takes us to western Pennsylvania. This is Breeze Encounter.
4: Hi, Derek. I'm a new listener. My name's Bree. Um, And I was actually listening to your episode back, and I think it was, like, season two, um, about B who heard a growl in the woods. And um, I was kind of shocked, because I had a very similar story um, from around the same area. I grew up uh, about 30 minutes outside of the city of Pittsburgh on the western side. I'm a good... uh, hour or so away from the Ohio border Um, and I I was very young I was in elementary school still and I was over at a friend's house she had just moved to a new development in the suburbs and we had decided you know we didn't want to do our homework or anything so we decided we were going to go outside to play so we're in her woods and the woods in suburban Pennsylvania at least where I grew up they're not woods woods you know I I grew up I loved cryptids and I tried wood knocking and all that stuff and never got any response because the um scenery just isn't what it should be for a Sasquatch at least um but anyways we're going out and we're just kind of walking and enjoying ourselves laughing talking And I remember seeing, like, a rusted nail sticking out of the ground and thinking, like, oh, I'm glad I got my tetanus shot, you know, it was something stupid that only a little girl would, you know, think is interesting. Um, And we started talking, and it was just a normal talking, um, having a conversation. And then we hear a growl, and I'm kind of like, oh, well, that's unusual. So I approach this patch of grass, and the grass isn't—it's as high as my knees. Um, It's not very high um, at all, and I'm trying to see whatever it is. And as I come closer, I hear it growl again. So I think, and it sounds to me like a dog. And I'm a very big animal lover, Um, so I'm instantly like, "Hello," you know, like trying to talk to a dog, you know, see if it'll come out. Probably belong to someone around the area you know um so I'm like hello hello you know and it it sounded like a big dog um I I work with animals a, a lot and there's a difference between the growl of a small dog and a big dog and it sounded like a bigger bulkier dog so I should have been able to see it in the grass the grass wasn't like I said it wasn't that tall um and then I heard it as I got closer it growled again and suddenly this feeling came over me of you have to get out now and I, I never saw what actually did the growling. I um for years I've thought over it and thought maybe it was just a dog, maybe it was a fox. Um I've even gone so far as to think it was a dog man, but if I, the problem is if I saw anything in connection with that sound I I have completely lost whatever that vision was. I just think my, my small mind couldn't handle it at the time. Um, but, but part of what makes me think that this is a supernatural occurrence is just that overwhelming feeling of get out now. I've, I've never had anything like that since of just this overwhelming, if you stay here, you're going to die. Um, so we ran back, and we told her mom, and her mom just kind of brushed it off, you know, thought it was girls being girls. Um, so hearing B's story and hearing your story, um, it just made me wonder that maybe there's more to this than uh, you would think look, just looking at it. So that's my story. Um, thank you so much, fan of the show, um, and I have an out-of-body experience as well that I would love to share if you're interested in it. Um, So just let me know. Thank you so much. Bye.
1: Thank you, Bree. Of course, she's referring to the story told in episode 12 of season two. In that story, a young woman and her friends heard a mysterious growling sound outside of her western Pennsylvania home. Bree's encounter sounds eerily similar. My advice to you, Bree, is to head over to YouTube and start checking out sounds of known animals in your area, especially Bobcat, Fox, and Coyote. You'd be surprised how unnatural these natural creatures can actually sound. Thanks again for sharing your encounter. Up next, we return to a familiar voice. Scott has thus far shared experiences with Sasquatch, a giant spider with a human face, and a San Francisco ghost. This is his final submission, this one of an otherworldly intruder. This is Scott's story.
5: Hey, this is Scott. Um, Calling in. I've got uh, down my last two experiences, so uh, hopefully you'll find them entertaining. Uh, This first one happened um, about 30 years ago. My youngest son, or pardon me, my oldest son was um, maybe a year old, and uh, was in a crib in his own room, and my wife and I were asleep, and uh, our house is set up so that um, the master bedroom is is at one end of the hallway and then there's a, a bathroom, a bedroom and another bedroom. And my son was in the farthest bedroom away from us. And uh, very good natured, young 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 boy. Um, kind, we kind of joked around that our first child was an angel because he's one of those kids, no, no mischievousness, he didn't cry, you know, except for like when he was hungry or if he legitimately got hurt or something. Um slept the night through at, at two weeks of age, you know which those of you that have had kids would be probably jealous um but one night we uh, uh were awakened this absolutely just terrified filled blood curdling scream coming from his bedroom and of course, my immediate thought was an intruder um as in a temporal intruder, and uh, I went racing down the hallway um <clears throat> and uh, I grabbed a big like police type flashlight um, so I had something to defend him and myself with and and I'm I'm a big guy Um, uh, at the time I'm I'm older now I'm in my mid-50s now but at the time I was six feet amateur bodybuilder about 270 pounds seven percent body fat so I, I wasn't real worried about you know encountering somebody that I wouldn't be able to handle physically Burst into the room, of course I'm in full warrior mode, you know, you stay away from my child kind of thing. It's a small bedroom, pretty straightforward setup. Closet on the left, um, then the room itself, his crib was over in the corner on the right. Uh, my first thought was worrying about an intruder, so uh, I didn't, I don't know why, I didn't think to flick the light switch on. My wife, who was just a few steps behind me, did, but the really quick with the flashlight, didn't see anything Um, saw my son and huddled up basically if you could picture somebody in a in a fetal position but sitting up Um, that's what he was in he was staring at the closet or at least it looked like the closet to me and so immediately looked at the closet we had actually pulled the doors off the closet because we were refinishing them and it was typical bedroom closet six feet long and you know, three feet deep, and there's nothing there. Uh, there's nothing there. So my first thought was, well, maybe there you know, was an intruder and He went out the window, um, but the window was latched. Or pardon me, the window was closed, but it wasn't latched. And the screen, I had, I had pulled the screen off a couple of days before because I was going to repair it. So then, you know, double-checked, is he okay? My wife says, yeah, yeah, he's fine ran outside and it had rained earlier that day so then I was like okay well if somebody did come in there's gonna be footprints under the window here there's nothing searched around the house nothing so I came back inside and uh, is he okay she's like yeah he just something terrified him and my wife looked at me and she goes did you feel it and I'm like did I feel what she was when we first came into the room First, bear in mind I was in full warrior mode, so all I was thinking about was what, what, or who is threatening my child, and I'm gonna beat your butt, you know, if you're in here. But when I started to think about it, I was like, I looked at her and I'm like, well, y- y- what did you feel? And she says, I felt this very dark, very oppressive feeling in the room, almost like there was a weight pushing down on us when we came into that room a very dark feeling and I had to admit although I shoved it out of my mind because again warrior mode um, I did remember feeling that when I came into the room but um, nothing happened to my physically nothing happened to my son what it was I don't know Uh, we've never had something you know dark or malevolent like that since so Hopefully you find it entertaining, but what it was, your guess is as good as mine. Have a good day, and keep up the good work.
1: Thank you again, Scott. I thoroughly enjoy your encounters. With this particular story, there's no real tangible event to break down, which makes commenting on the story difficult. But I will say that the heavy feeling both you and your wife experienced could have been an effect of the adrenaline rush you received from your son screaming. In addition, the connection shared between you and your son may have been powerful enough to transfer some sort of feeling or emotion. And if he in fact suffered some sort of nightmare, he could have projected those feelings on you and your wife, resulting in a strange and foreboding feeling. But then again, that's me projecting. Thanks again for taking the time to share all of your stories. I really enjoyed every one of them. Finally, to close things out, I want to revisit the local legend segment I've been including in the past few weeks' episodes. This week's legend is a tale of a crashed flying saucer in the 1890s. This is the Aurora, Texas UFO crash.
6: Yeah, but the folks up in one Texas town will be watching even closer. That's because legend has it, Aurora, Texas, had its own alien encounter over a hundred years ago. It looks like any other small Texas town. Just north of Fort Worth, population 376. It has such a beautiful view. But something in Aurora is different, mysterious, and some say downright weird.
0: It's just a legend.
6: April nineteenth, eighteen ninety-seven would change this town's identity forever.
0: Uh, they said, "Hey, have you heard about the uh, Martian who uh, crashed his uh, aircraft into uh, a whale site over in Aurora?" And I said, no.
6: Former mayor Barbara Brammer first heard the story of the UFO crash shortly after her arrival in the nineteen fifties.
0: And I kept the legend going whenever I was teaching when we had new people
6: into the community. Legend has it that in 1897, six years before the Wright brothers first flight, a number of reports came in from across the country of a cigar-shaped flying machine. An article in the Dallas Morning News reported that the craft came crashing down in Aurora. Today the crash site is an old well sealed with concrete.
0: About noon, it had uh, the fire had gone out enough that they could get in there and see what what really happened.
6: According to a purported army officer from nearby Fort Worth, in the crash debris was the body of the pilot said to be badly disfigured and not of this world. He
0: scraped up all the stuff that they could find and uh, they brought it down here to the cemetery and uh, gave him a Christian burial.
6: Here is the grave site today. It sits under this tree in the old section of the cemetery.
0: They eventually came down and put a marker on it and the marker has been gone for several years.
6: Stolen, Brammer believes, by souvenir hunters. The cemetery has been designated a Texas historical site for, among other things, the legend of the UFO pilot. But no one has ever been able to prove the story or rule it out. In the 1970s, the Texas UFO Network asked to dig up the grave but that was denied.
0: The uh, cemetery board said you're not going to touch that.
6: Grammer says they were worried spotted fever, which wiped out much of Aurora around the time of the incident, would rear its ugly head.
0: We are afraid of what it would do to this to this area again.
6: Last year, another group of UFO hunters used ground-penetrating radar and did find a mysterious unmarked grave. But the grave was so deteriorated, the radar simply could not identify what was there. And so the alien mystery continues. And the legend of Aurora is the only real thing that remains.
0: It's a good story. And it's got to be a good story because it's been around 112 years.
1: And that's going to do it for this episode. But before I go, I want to remind you to like, share, and support the show on social media. You can find Monsters Among Us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. In addition, please hit the old subscribe button on iTunes and be sure to rate and review the show as well. The reviews have slowed a bit as of late, and I'd love to see that reversed. Finally, if you have a story to share, the hotline is 1-888-608-NIGHT. That's 1-888-608-6444. Or visit the website at MonstersAmongUsPodcast.com for more submission methods. Music from tonight's episode was provided by Mayu and Nature World 1986. Thank you all for listening, and until next week.